All right. Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe. We haven't been uh, telling you guys that very often, so hope you've been doing it. Share. Yep, share. But today we have a special guest. This is actually the guy that got us into EXP. Well, uh, in Fort Wayne anyway, but uh, this is Austin Chevron. Tony's going to tell you a little bit more about him. Yeah, Austin is a team leader. Uh, so he has agents underneath him in the multi-level marketing structure of EXP, uh, but he also does coaching as well to help people create the lives that they want while also have a flourishing business, helps them scale, uh, helps them figure out what they really want, what their why is. Um, he does a lot of trainings in association with the Tony Robbins series of trainings too. And uh, he's been doing it now for like, how many years? 15 years? 15, 17 years. years licensed now. 17 years 17. licensed. Primarily got in uh, because his dad was a realtor. So he sort of inherited that and uh, got to the point where he was a top producer, uh, but was to the point where he was like, man, I'm just like spinning my wheels. I'm just burning up a bunch of energy and I'd rather spend more time with my family and I'd rather create some boundaries here and figure out how to make some passive residual income. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Wealth generation, lifestyle creation, uh, yeah, Austin Chevron. I love it, guy. That's awesome. That's pretty good. Did you like stalk me? Yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. Hey, man. I do. I do an incredible amount of research in fifteen minutes, and uh, create the <laughs> that's good. Create the questions. Go through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Try to try to like get an idea who you are and whatnot. Yeah. I got I got a couple surprises in here, no, that's, so we'll that's see. That's good stuff. I always say I've been uh, been around real estate for over thirty years now, and I'm thirty seven. So it's a it's a scary life when this is all I know. Yeah. Like some days I just wanted to work at like a normal factory and then work my way up the the ladder. But I'm sure that eventually the ladder would be uh, there'd be no more steps, and then I'd probably get back into real estate. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah, like there's a no cap here. Forty-five there's, year ladder. There's no cap. <laughs> there's also no floor, which is the which is probably why most people get out. Yep. So there's no floor. So you think everything's going good until you're spending all your money, and not making any money. Yep. And that's what we have to help them with. No question. So I guess the question is, what did we miss? Did we miss anything? Ah, what did you? Yeah, you got more than what most people get, so that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, you know, it's interesting selling real estate for seventeen years. You you think I just sell more real estate, but eventually you'll find a gap and you'll find a void, and that's that's what I was trying to fill. Which is how do we not necessarily sell more real estate? Yeah, that's that needs to happen, but how how do we get more out of this business? Like, how do we give more? Yeah. And then how do we receive a passive income? Those were the, those are really the two things. Uh, 2018, I remember sitting on a rock in the middle of Canada, in the middle of nowhere, beautiful place. I just asked myself, what do we, what do we need to get? What do we need to do in life? And there were two things that came to my mind, which is one, I need a passive income mm -hmm. and two, I need to give. Yep. Those are the two things. That's awesome. Simple as that sounds, that's what leads to everything that I was looking for. Nice. So he basically uh, got it then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you so when you find your North Star, when you run the decisions through and through your filter. So, you know, that was my filter. And when decisions come, it's really simple. Does it fit or does it not fit? Does it does it continue down my road? Yep. And when I saw this model, it was it was really easy. Yep. I get I get people texting me from India saying, Hey, just sat through your training. It was awesome. Wow. That's crazy. Or India. And I'm just wondering, like, did is this did did he just send this in English to me? Or is it <laughs> Yeah, he goes know? to he goes to Google Translate, puts it in there, he's like, Hey, I was just in this thing. Yeah. So how long how long have you been uh, with EXP then? Like, were you with somebody else before, and then you switched over? Because I know EXP hasn't been around like a stupid long time. No. But. So EXP, I believe, is eleven years. But here in our here in northeastern Indiana, it's really about two years. Okay. And so I joined just about two years ago. It's November twenty first. That's almost a two year anniversary. Wow. That's the twenty second. Yep. Yeah. So it, when I saw when you know when I first ran the filters, which is does this help me give more and does it provide me a passive income? And the answer was hell yes and hell yes. And um, once I was just coaching a guy today, I told him once you find your north star and then the things run through it, opportunities and they align, you have to jump. Yeah. 
Like you've already made the decision. You gotta jump. And if you don't jump, then then don't call me. Like not don't call me to join EXP, but just don't call me if you're gonna be the type of person that knows what they want and then you're a big procrastinator and you won't do it. You'll get yep. stuck by fear. Like you gotta get past that. Yep. I got a I got a little bit of a selfish question then. So yeah. uh how did you find out what you wanted then like did you go to a seminar where you really got deep did you go on an oasis by yourself where you sat down or like you know a lot of times you get stuck in the day-to-day to where it's like hard to figure out what you actually want or why you want it like how did you find that about yourself uh so tony robbins as you, you had mentioned tony robbins after reading and listening and everything at the end of it everything's always it was always about giving mm-hmm. so you know they always say start with the end in mind and the end was, how do I be, how do I give? And if I give all the smart people, all the people that are past me said, this is where you're trying to go. Yeah. And at that time I didn't get it, but I just knew if I did this, it should lead me to where I'm supposed to go. And then I thought, well, uh, what else can I do with giving? I told you I was sitting on a rock in Canada. That's where it's where I go to think. And I just thought, okay, giving's great. But if I'm broke, I'm not that nice of a guy, mm-hmm. you know, like I need some money. Yeah, because if I don't have money, then I'm going to stop giving and I'm going to go to work. So then I realized I need a passive income to go with my giving. So I figured if I could do those two things and the passive income just came because, you know, I, I realized I've always been good with numbers. I've always liked money. Uh, but I, I realized that in life, if I can get a passive income to meet or exceed my expenses, pretty much downhill financially. Yep. Now it's just build and go have fun. So it just went back to giving. It's all it was always about giving. It's all about giving. Wow. Did so. You, so when did you read Rich Dad Poor Dad then? Oh, that was, that had to be like my third book. It was The Richest Man in Babylon was the first book. And we just did some training on that, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool to be able to to go in and go deep with that. Uh, but Rich, uh, uh, was probably my third book I read. Okay. I think the second book was You Squared. And then wow. that would have been the third one. Wow. I was say, I, I could tell, but just by the way you're talking, I'm like, yeah, you've read that book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You knew that EXP was the right fit for you. Uh, there's evolutions in the way that real estate has worked traditionally. And it's like, well, it was this type of brokerage. And then it was this type of brokerage. And then it moved to the Keller Williams model. Uh, and then it moved to the EXP model. Well, now there's even some new ones. Like, they're basically just copying EXP yeah. that I've noticed. And they're like, oh, we'll give you like 1% or 2% better than EXP. So to you... Uh, do you think that EXP is the long haul, like the best thing to go with and stick with and stay with forever? Um, and uh, what what advice would you give to people if they're looking into brokerages uh, as far as like EXP goes? Yeah, that's a loaded. My head went to like six different things. <laughs> so that that's that's a great. So I don't know if this is going to answer the question to start with, but. When I was looking at, you know, my North Star and then does this fit, one of the things that came through my mind was, let me go back through all my notes. And so I went back years and years to look through all the conferences I've been to. And uh, one of them, Brian Buffini's conference, I, I saw in my notes, he, he said, it, I think a year or two before, he goes, the real estate business is moving to it. They're, they're moving to the tech side. Now, he didn't mention any names. But I went back through my notes and he started saying and, and showing things. And I'm like, he's talking about tech and how tech's going to take over real estate. Well, I, I wasn't into tech at that time. I was into making phone calls and providing service. Mm-hmm. And then I went back through my business mastery notes from Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins showed the models of how Hilton became Airbnb mm. and how taxis became Ubers. Yep. And he went and he showed all these models. And I thought... What is real estate doing? Real estate's been the same since the Remax model in the 80s, I think, when the model came out, which disrupted real estate back in the 80s. Um, and then I believe KW came and disrupted too. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about this, and I'm like, there's there's probably, there's always a new disruption. You know, KW's been around for a while, been booming for, for a good period of time. But I just looked at the models and just said, I'm sitting in Blockbuster and Netflix is knocking at my door, mm-hmm. but I live in the Midwest where we're 10 years behind. Yep. 
And, you know, when I, I ran all the numbers, I looked at everything and I just said, this has got to be where it's going. It's got to be. This is this has to be it. So I ran it by all my mentors and I came up with the percentage of 88 to 98 percent chance this was going to be the right idea. Now, being pretty much the first guy in Northeast Indiana and being, you know, I was at my last brokerage, I was the top agent, I had the largest team and I was a trainer and coach of about 70 agents. It's a hell of a jump to leave. Mm -hmm. And essentially, I did a Jerry Maguire thing, which I, you know, I don't know if I'd have done it the same way, but I pretty <laughs> much said, I'm leaving and who's coming with me. Wow. And I was willing to leave everything I had, you know, make, I was making really good money. People don't understand it. They probably still don't understand it today that they'll start to see the success and say, oh yeah, well, of course. But at the time I was willing to leave good for great Yeah. Mm -hmm. and everything was good. I mean, that's, that's the hard part is we get comfortable. We really get comfortable with where we're at. And it's like, well, why would you take all the risk? Mm -hmm. And I just knew when I, John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward. And it says, get off the chapter fives, get off the failure freeway. And as I read that, I just, I got into my mind that said, everything we're on is always going to end. Every highway we're doing, every highway we're on, wherever we're going, it's always going to end. The question is, is are you going to get off the highway before your vehicle crashes? Mm -hmm. And I, as I was ready, I, you know, I put in the foundation last five years of my business. And as I was ready to grow, I didn't want my vehicle to crash, have to pick it up and then rebuild it. It was just better to get off the highway and on a new highway that was going to last further. Is, it, is that where you felt like it was leading? Like you're like, you, you felt like it was going to go to a dead end? Or did you think that you could ride that wave and just stay where you're at and still like live a decent life? And so you left that? Or did you think it was going to crash? It was going to crash. Okay. Yeah. Because I push things to the limits and people get uncomfortable when I push. Mm -hmm. But I push to, for greatness. I literally push to, to get greatness out of something. And when you push and you don't, you can't see how far the road's going to go. For me, I can just say, you just, you get off the road and you get on a new one. Now, 99% of the world won't understand mm -hmm. because 99% of the world's fine with comfortable. Yeah. So do fine. you think, uh, you think that you switched because you already had your end in mind. Like obviously your goal was to give more and to, you know, residual income. Was that like easier for you to switch? Because I think a lot of people do have that issue. I mean, I even struggle with that when I was making good money in car sales, you know, to, to quit that. It's like, man, I like the people I'm working with. I'm making good money. Life is pretty dang good right now. And I'm going to leave this in pursuit of something better, even though what I have is like better than like 90% of the world. And it's pretty dang good. And I can still build, but how much better could I be? For me, it was more about who I could become mm. as opposed to like, you know, good. So what would you say is like the main thing? Was it because you had the end in mind or like, why did you want to make that switch? There's a, there's a lot of pieces that go in. Uh, some probably can't say on air, <laughs> uh, but there, there's a lot of pieces. I'll, I'll say this. When you, when you study yourself and you work on becoming better and better and better, and it doesn't mean you're great. It just means you, you're, you study and you're, you're always pushing. Um, you, you will find times in which you'll see what decisions you have to make. Sometimes you say them vocally out loud. Sometimes you think them and then you go back into your shell because it's safe and comfortable. Mm -hmm. For me, I was just all in and I knew, I knew where I was going. I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I just, I went all in and I jumped. And I think people thought I jumped off the cliff and I was <laughs> going to die. I, literally, I remember somebody saying, you build a 6,000 square foot office. What happens if nobody comes? And I just thought, I'll just put my desk right in the middle. I won't build one wall. <laughs> and we'll just have this whole place <laughs> just be my office. Yep. That's uh, funny. And now we're looking for extra square footage. <laughs> wow. I got, uh, I got a good question with that uh, last little thing that you said. So this is a got you question or like yeah. one to mess with you or like yeah. try to, try to get it. you stuck. Uh, so EXP is a virtual company. Yes. You built a physical office. Why? <laughs> okay, let's tell the story in a way that's in a way that I can. I got to think how to say this because uh, I don't know who will listen to this. So, <laughs> uh, so I pushed for greatness back in 2017. I remember I remember going to my old brokerage and just saying. I need higher level education. I'm, I'm at the top. I need to grow. 
you're responsible for me, you're my leader, so help me grow. Mm-hmm. About three, four months later, what was determined was I was going to start training all the agents. Now, how that went from me getting help to me helping everybody, I'm not sure on how that got flip-flopped really quick. But along the way, um, one of one of the people there, I ended up making them my mentor. And on the, I remember on the first day of their mentorship with me, I just said, "You you need to make me more money." And the guy's like, "You you need to make your own money." And I'm like, "No, you need to make me more money." I gave up a lot of money to have you be my mentor, and because I always seek wisdom over over money, give me knowledge. I'll make the money with my knowledge. I don't right. need the money. And so I gave up a lot of money for for the for the wisdom. Well, at that at that time, this my mentor got the idea. And my mentor said, "There's going to be a, there's going to be a lot coming up for sale that maybe you should buy." And so I ended up buying the lot next door. It was going to be my rental property. It's 400 feet from. Yeah, it's probably your probably not office. that far. Yeah, it's probably not that far. It's probably more like 45 feet. But, <laughs> but that was gonna that was gonna be my rental building. I was gonna look out of my office and look at my rental building. Now a lot of people think I'm an asshole for moving next door. And if they only knew how it all happened, uh, that wouldn't be the case. If they, but I, I watch my story on how I tell it and what it is, because mm-hmm. uh, I only want the best for everybody. Right. And so, so we ended up, we ended up building a building right next door to where I was mm-hmm. supposed to work. I mean, what a great rental property! I literally look out my window and I see my building. Yep. And then you know what? When you push the when you push buttons, uh, sometimes not all the buttons are made to be pushed. When you don't own them, mm-hmm. and so I pushed maybe maybe a couple too many buttons that didn't line up, and next thing you know, I ended up moving next door into my rental building, which everyone thought I had probably some master plan. And when when you look at the road and you unravel it, it was only there because I pushed for higher education. I pushed for for doing something better. I grabbed the wisdom instead of the money. And it's just a beautiful story on how it gets unraveled when you actually know all the pieces. And I can only tell so many other pieces right now. Uh, but I would just, anybody listening, I would just suggest just keep keep trying for greatness. Because when you look back, everything's going to happen. EXP, I had a vision that it would have 40% market share here in the future. So right now we have 244 I, I have a vision of having 40% market share. I just don't see how it doesn't happen. Forty percent Fort Wayne or uh, Northeastern Indiana. Okay, in our in our MLS. Okay, so some people are going to hear that and think, "Holy crap! That's how's that going to happen?" That's twice as big as the biggest guy right now. Who's the biggest? Bradley. Okay, yeah, Bradley has about twenty percent market share. But a lot of people see we're we're in our most people listening to this probably twenties, thirties, forties. What people don't realize is that Coldwell Banker back in the nineties had forty percent market share. Wow. I was around back then. My dad was a manager. This is all I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching them go from 40% back down to 10%. You make a couple wrong decisions and things start to move. Yep. So I have a vision. It will get back up to 40%. And when they do, people are going to look at me and they're going to say, he was lucky. He was this. He was that. And I'm like, no, I took risk. I had a calculated risk, 88 to 98, 98% chance this was going to be right before I left. I was just in Vegas, guys. If you have an 88 to 98% chance... You bet the house, baby. Yeah. You bet the house, and that's what we did. And and it's starting to happen. It's been slow. Uh, we EXP in Northeastern Indiana was the fastest growing real estate company, I believe, ever in Northeastern Indiana from going back to the '90s. So all the big guys wasn't even close to the growth that we had. Wow. And in 2021, I said, you know, we can grow really big, but in 2021, I took the time to to go in and, and make sure our, our foundation was good. And so I slowed down growth this year. Now, next year, uh, watch out is all I can say. Why, here, here we come. That's awesome. And I was just hanging out with Uncle Grant last week. Oh, yeah. You know Uncle Grant? Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Grant said, go piss some people off. <laughs> so he said, 50 million people love me and 100, 100 million people just haven't been converted yet. Uh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, well come, on, come on, man. Just t- tell your story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uncle Grant. You're going to be like, come on, man. I want to know all the details. Uh, let, let, let's tell you, you're trying to piss some people off. Let's piss some people off. Let's do it. He goes, they're just not converted yet. That's what Uncle Grant said. Yep. Were you in uh, Were you in Miami then? I was in Vegas. Oh, he was in Vegas? He was in Vegas for EXPCon. 
Oh, for EXP? Yeah, yeah we yes. missed it because it was the same weekend of our seminar. Wow. Yeah. I had a front row seat right next to his wife. I was sitting with the billionaire somehow, which wow. was too stinking cool. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So I was right in the front. I had like the money seat. I was right in the middle, in the front, on the alley, on the wow. row. And uh, Grant, at one time, he took a he he told Glenn because Glenn Stanford's oh Stanford okay yeah Stearns wow. was there too oh, multiple billionaires wow. it was too cool but uh, to watch them two talk is pretty interesting one's complete extrovert one's complete introvert mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Grant Cardone said Glenn I got something in my pocket you don't have. And it was like, oh, where's this going? <laughs> and he pulls out his poker chips, and he has a stack of 25,000. Oh, my gosh. And next thing you know, he's throwing them in the crowd. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. That was a, it was a fun little... Uh, it was a fun little couple minutes there to watch that. But but he said something. Tony, I know you want to keep... I, I love your questions mm -hmm. there you're looking, but he, I want to say something that uh, for anybody in real estate, this was absolutely key that I picked up on. Um, Grant Cardone said... We've, we've been missing the game in this industry. And he goes, all of us, we're missing, we've been missing the equity game. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been, I'm 30 years around this. I, I, the game's been like this for 60, 70 years, which is the equity's not distributed amongst the agents, but the agents are the one bringing in the income. What do you mean by that? So all the agents are the ones bringing in the income for every brokerage. You take away the agents, brokerage is bankrupt. Mm. Agents do all the work, mm. but guess who gets the equity? Guess who gets the ownership? It's just the owners. Right. And Grant's like, you guys are, you've been missing this game. I mean, you think of, you think of the billionaires, you think of the millionaires, they're all owners of companies. Right. They all own the company. It's not the workers that normally make it. Right. It's the owners. And us as real estate agents, we're just the workers. Mm -hmm. We're essentially the workers. It's no different. Correct. And he's like, the game's in equity. He goes, at this company, they make you an owner after your first transaction. They make you an owner. Mm -hmm. And a little light bulb went off. And I'm like, I've been telling people, and I truly believe it with my heart, that it's in your best interest to own a house compared to rent it. Right. Like they said, net worth of a homeowner is like 40 times more than a renter. Right. So own the house. I get it. We all we all sell that dream. Yep. But guess what? We rent at our company, and we have for years and years and years and years. We just rent. And we're fine with it. Yeah. For well, for people too who are watching this and don't understand what Austin's talking about, uh, you actually get company stock every time you make a transaction, as well as there's a multi-level marketing component where uh, if you get other people to change brokerages to EXP, they get. Uh, profit share, but it's not actually profit share the same way that Keller Williams is profit share. Only if it's profitable, you're guaranteed revenue share, uh, which means that you're going to get uh, monthly residual income as well as uh, the stock benefits that he's talking about and stock options to buy stock at a reduced price. Um, so that model is something that came up a lot at 10x Growth Con where uh, even that lady that we saw who came up with like the first female Viagra, oh, yeah. she gave everybody who was on her team uh, stock for helping her build the company. And so that strategy ends up being more of a win-win for everybody involved because it's like, hey, if, if we do well as a company, then you do well as an individual too. Um, and, you know, like that win-win philosophy is something that keeps getting pounded into Dakota and I's head. Every time we go to a personal development seminar, every time we listen to a podcast, listen to a book, it's become more and more prominent. So uh, that's what Austin's talking about. There's a, an ability to gain company stock. And uh, I was going to ask you some of your numbers, too, because I know you have company stock. Yes, I do. How much do you have in company stock? Uh, the company, the company, just as a general general idea, has, has awarded me around two hundred thousand dollars in thank you fees. Yep. Uh, in about two years. Wow. So what's sick is part of those are through our revenue share program, which is what you call the MLM side, mm -hmm. uh, which really I look at as the best partnership ever. Because I'm here with you guys. I care about your growth, but yet we have no contract signed mm -hmm. and you guys don't pay me. Right. But yet I wake up thinking, how do I help you guys? That's the best partnership ever. I've right. never seen anything like it. Yep. All the other partnerships like, hey, we're 50-50 owners and why am I working today and I think you're hungover? <laughs> 
you know that <laughs> yeah that that's other partnerships like god how well, they need to do this or i put more money in than them this partnership's beautiful it is it is completely a beautiful partnership and that's that's what i found yeah we talk about rental properties and investors get this what exp pays me a month for helping their company grow is about the same as owning about a million dollars in real estate right now and i'm at the base levels mm -hmm. How much, how much would you estimate that you bring in a month uh, residually from just like from people underneath you? So we have about 70 people in our organization right now that stretches across, I believe, six different states. Including me and Dakota? Yes, okay. including you two. Those, so, those two are important. <laughs> there's, about, there's about 70 of us. Now, the majority of them are here in Fort Wayne because that's where I'm at and that's where a lot of the work happens. But we have business partners throughout 70, uh, we have 70 business partners throughout six states. And that that on average right now, about 70 pays pays somewhere between three and five, 6,000 a month. Wow. So of complete passive, yeah. I don't do the accounting, I just have to have a bank account. And a completely passive, it comes in. And I look at my rentals and I love my rentals, but man, I gotta pay for them, I gotta maintain them. And to make five, six thousand a month for my rental properties compared to this, yeah, it's way I, easier. Uh, I'll take both. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'll right. take both. How many rental properties do you have? So I have somewhere between thirty-three and forty. Okay. <laughs> so I and I actually I think that probably I'm probably a different investor than most people you talk to because I don't know that answer because I haven't taken time to count them. Yeah. And now somebody might say that sounds like a horrible investor. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I, since the time I was 18, I bought my first house when I was 18. I started buying rentals when I was 19. And I, I, I had about a half a dozen of them between the time I was 19 and 22, 23. And I'll say the only financial mistake I ever made was I sold my rentals mm. back then. Mm -hmm. okay, I collected all the money, thought I was rich. Uh, now me being rich and back then was completely different what I thought was rich. Uh, but I learned something from that time until about a handful of years ago when I started back up and that I asked people, do you have rental properties? And if the answer was yes, I did, but now I don't 95% of the time when people don't have rentals, I asked them why. And they said they were a headache, mm. they're a headache. And I'm like, well, did you manage your own? And the answer was yes. Right. And so for me, what I found was, I think, and this is just me, I'm an, I'm an odd duck. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't want my investments to be an investment of my time. I want it to be an investment of my money. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for another job. Yeah. I had that job. I had the calls at two in the morning, my door got kicked in, you need to put a new one up. And I'm yeah. like, put the couch in front of it. Are you kidding me right now? I'm sleep. You call me again. I'm going to kick you out. Okay. Like that's unacceptable. Yeah. I think that's the difference too. When you look at the uh, cash flow quadrant, um, the, you know, the employed person, mm -hmm. the self-employed person, the business owner and the, uh, investor, you're trying to move to that I quadrant with your rental properties, uh, have your money make you more time. Yes. rather than trading your time for money as a self-employed person where you got to actually go fix the door or having somebody else that you can have on call being the business owner, yes. you know, like you're not creating the systems or hiring the people. You're just at the point where you're like, I'm an investor. I'm investing my money. I need more time. Yeah. I, I'm not looking for another job. And that's right. where I see most people, they fail in this, in, in the investing role. And, and I know where you start and what every, you know, your viewers might do a lot more. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. For me, my key was to stay out of the way. Yeah. And so I, I'm a licensed real estate agent. I sell a ton of real estate. I don't sell my own rental properties. Out of the 33 to 40 I own, I've only seen three of them. And they're all here in Fort Wayne. Awesome. So tell me how that makes sense to most people. It doesn't. And I'm not saying I recommend that. I highly trust who I hire and I stay out of the way because I've realized I'm my biggest problem. Yeah. So I stay out of the way. And you know what? They pay me every stinking month. 
Yep. And they're really nice. And guess what? They've gone up in value too a bunch lately. Right. So. I said the main, so the main reason that we like to invest in rentals is mostly for tax benefits. So while you're flipping, you can be flipping, making all this money, but then you get to use your ta- uh, rentals to write it all off because they depreciate. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question is uh, like that three to 5,000 that you're making from EXP. Like what does that count as? Is that like interest income, like dividends? Is that regular it's income? or r- Great question. That, I believe that should be counted as regular income. Okay. So uh, unlike my rentals, my taxes, I just hired the right people and I stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now I want to understand to a certain extent, but the more I understand something that I really don't want to have anything to deal with, the, the more time it costs me, the more I get in their way. And I, I know for me, if I have clients that are telling me what to do, I'm less likely just to grab the bull by the horns and do it. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to get in my way, then guess what? Yeah, I'll do less and you can be involved and you'll yep. lose. So it just goes back to hire the right people, partner with the right people. And when you do, you can own a company and you can step back Yep. and you can let the company grow. And so for me, that's, that's just kind of my philosophy as I grow. I just want the right people. And I want to be able to make sure if I have the right people, I trust the right people. And there's certain levels of, you know, due diligence, but and in, in my my uh, my rental game, I step out of it. And I look at the monthly statement, I see how much money I made, and I just figure out what's the vision for for that. How do I continue to grow it? So I haven't set my goals for 2022, but after hanging out with Grant for a couple of days, you guys know how 10X became? I do not know the story of it. Did, do you have you ever heard that? How 10x? No, not specific that name specifically. No. So you guys can watch on YouTube. Watch watch their uh, their interview together. Uh, it's pretty cool to watch. But Glenn Sanford asked Grant Cardone, "Where'd this whole 10x brand come from?" And uh, Grant Cardone said, "You know, when the market crashed, I had fifty million dollars of debt, and the bank called me to pay it." And he goes, "And I had the money. That's why they called." Oh, snap. Yeah. He goes, I had the money. And he goes, how the hell did this happen? And he said, if I would have had $500 million of debt, they wouldn't have called. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I had to 10x my problem. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, I was, I've been in a sauna lately. I just clear my head and I'm thinking, I'm like, I need to double my debt next year. Mm-hmm. So I was just talking to my dad yesterday about my net worth and that. And he goes, yeah, and you owe the bank all this money. I'm like, hell yes, I do. Well, you, I think he said something that was really cool once where he was like, hey, man, if you, you, know, you owe the bank uh, $100,000, that's your problem. If you owe the bank $100 million, that's their that's problem. Their <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. I got some really good debt. Yeah. And I'm proud of having my debt. How much how much debt do you have right now? Do you know? About two million. Okay. Nice. So I love my two million dollars of debt. I go to home, I go home at night and I go to bed just fine. (laughs) Yep. That's funny. I think I think we have just about the same amount. Like we're like two point three or something like that. And it's like sometimes I'm stressed out about it and sometimes I'm like, This is good. This is uh this is helpful. I thought we were closer to three and a half. No, no, that we have like four oh, maybe it is. See, no, when you have good debt, you don't really care. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Cody doesn't know. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I know we have 4.2 in properties, and we have we have 1.2 in equity. So, yeah, I guess it's about three. It's close to three, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good It's close to three, yeah. You know, when, when I pay 4% and I collect 15 the math works pretty well. Yeah, you're okay then. And it also yeah. helps you. I mean, I've been telling people this for a while, and a lot of uh, old-time investors, like, um, you know, thought we were crazy, but you know, when, when inflation happened like this last year, like you just Mm. like double dipped, like you just made out so well, you got appreciation of your properties Mm -hmm. and you got more money now to pay back that same amount of debt. Like it was a hedge. It's a hedge against inflation too. So much because you had that debt. It's funny about four years ago, I had a vision of, I need a half a million dollars in appreciating assets and a half a million dollars of cash flow. Yep, and I need to get in at a half a million on each. Why this market's still low, and and we did. We we started, and that's one of the building was. I'm hoping is an appreciating asset. It definitely doesn't cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so that building, I, I guess I didn't even know you're moving over there. I thought yeah. trademark was going to move into that, and you're sharing it or something. Mm-hmm. What what happened? Trade trademarks next to us. If you haven't been up north, go look. They they got their own about eight thousand square foot building there. 
Snap. So you're, so you're yeah. just using that one straight up just for your office and for your people, and then you're getting rid of that one where your office is currently? No. So my building where I'm, where I'm at is, is 6,000 square feet. I share that with one of my partners who's my attorney. Okay. It's good to have an attorney as a partner. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, it's like having a bear behind you at all yeah, times. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but, so I, I have that building. We, we have half of it. And I look at that for me as my leadership team. Tony, I think you might have said something earlier like, you work for a virtual company, but you have brick and mortar. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know how I, I miss that, but yeah, we do. Um, and what I realized is I don't have to, but when I moved, I didn't know the difference and I didn't know how to do it the new way. So right now our team operates probably 75% virtually, 25% in a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. But the vision is to be able to just pick up the brick and mortar if I want and get rid of it yep. or to use it as an asset that can help help grow the business if we choose. Yeah. So there are still some benefits, but I can tell you what I know about the virtual world. I would rather have the virtual world than my brick and mortar. If right. I had to choose one, give me virtual all day. Especially the way that, I mean, before, honestly, I'll tell you, like getting into that whole world thing, yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't even understand how to do it. And I felt real awkward, like walking up to people. Like, this is freaking weird. But then like now, it actually looks pretty smart, especially with like meta coming out and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty dang smart now. Yeah, and for our viewers who don't know what Dakota's talking about, it's uh, basically it's like loading a video game. So you uh, download all of the software onto your computer, and then that gives you access to EXP World, and you can walk around in the world, and then there are different uh virtual structures in the world that's like, oh, I want to go to Indiana and talk to some of those agents. And uh, if other folks are logged in, it's kind of like back in the day when you had MSN Messenger. If if other folks are logged in, you can talk to them immediately while they're in the world or leave them a message and talk to them later. Um, so... For for me, it just gives me it gives me complete flexibility and quick access to people. Yeah. So I believe there's about 500 people that get housed in that world. And so when I have a question, I was talking with an agent today, and he's like, how do I talk to my managing broker? I'm like, well, you can not only talk to yours in the world, you can go talk to 50 managing brokers at any given time by clicking a couple buttons. Yeah. That doesn't exist anywhere else. The power that the world puts together, the community, people think virtual means it, it pulls you apart. It's actually completely the opposite. If you use it, you're more connected than anywhere else if you use it. If you right. don't use it, then you're like everybody else, and you'll start to get uh, uh, separated into your own little your own little world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So besides EXP, realtor income, rentals, do you have any other forms of income? Heck, yes, I do. So we run a coaching company. Mm-hmm. So our coaching company was created this year. And the reason it was created was we started to see a need outside of our team. And so we wanted to train our team, but we had other industries, other real estate agents who said, hey, I can't join with you guys right now. I can't leave my company. Uh, I want to stay where I'm at. So what we did is we created a platform in which we train our team and we invite our friends in is how I say it. So we, we train once a week on Tuesdays at 11 Eastern. We train in a v- virtual world on Zoom. And I just look at it as my platform in which I train the team. But as I train the team, we bring in mortgage, title. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of different industries that come in, and we work on what we call the Agent Success Program, which is a 12-module program that deals with Goals, database, habits, legion, buyer systems, seller systems, time management, money, uh, uh, education, communication style, and commissions. And the last one would be calendar. So we train on those things, which are like the foundations of business. That's yep. how I look at it. So, so uh, I know a friend of ours have reached out to you actually for coaching. Do you usually coach people who are like with other, like let's say Century 21 or like different brokerages? Like, would you be willing to train them if they paid you? Or do you usually only train EXP people? Because I'm sure there is going to be some people that want some coaching. Yes. Um, great, great question. So far where we're at is we've only, we've only taken one client in the coaching. And the reason why is if I... Remember, we came over the company to give. And so we had the platform to give. 
it's their choice if they don't want to sign up for that. It's not sure. my choice. But we have a lot of people ask us, can you know, can we train one on one? And re- realistically, the answer is when I tell them the number, they they'll they're not going to do it. Yeah, it's hard to be worth it. Yeah, for both it, of you guys. Yeah. So yep. unless I can see mass scale in their business, and uh, I'm not interested in trading my time for my money and doing a one off. It doesn't right. interest me at even at, at any rate. Uh, I shouldn't say at any rate. That's a stupid comment. Yeah, yeah. But there's gonna there's be somebody <laughs> that you probably be like, all right, I'll yeah. train you. I take that one back. Uh, <laughs> but at most rates in northeastern Indiana. It just doesn't make sense for people financially to yeah. pay me for my time. Now, I'll, I'll the same thing. I might charge six figures to coach somebody one on one. I'll do for free within my business and my organization because right. as they grow, I grow. Yeah, and it's exponential. Right. So I look at it that way. Now, somebody might say, "Well, you do it for free or you do it for very cheap, but you're going to charge six figures on the back end." It grows, it yeah. compounds, and right. compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. I want some of that. Yeah. And so I'll do it for less on the front end. Gotcha. You stress the importance of setting expectations with clients that you're going to do realtor work for, and then not answering the phone on nights and weekends or setting that expectation with them up front. Uh, and setting boundaries so you can have the life that you want. Explain what that looks like, how it started, why you do it. Oh, you're going deep here, man. This is this is good. Uh, we, about 11 years ago, 12, 12 years ago, I interviewed a whole bunch of my clients that were millionaires back then. And I asked them, if you could go back, them and their wives, if you could go back, what would you do different? Now, most of these people are 60s, 70s, 80s. It was normally the male was the breadwinner who owned a company and the woman a lot of times stayed at home or did the books for the company of some kind. And they all said the same thing, which was like an eye opener. They said, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. They all said the same things. And then they said, but we did what we had to do. Mm -hmm. And so going back, I looked, I'm like, well, these guys grew up through the depression. They didn't know any different. Their, Their parents had to hustle. Right. And so that's what was stilled in them. So I asked myself if I could, if I could do what their regret was, okay, which was spend time with my family. And I don't want to say not work so hard because I hustle. I work. I work really hard. I try to work smarter than longer. Mm-hmm. But if I could do what their regret was and get the business, that'd be the best life. And so I, you know, I looked at real estate. Had probably a fifty to sixty, I would say, percent divorce rate which is pretty high. And I just talked with my wife and I just said, Lindsay, that's unacceptable. We're not going to do that. What foundations do we need to put in place? And when we were poor back then, we said, hey, five o'clock every night, we're going to eat dinner together. And then Friday evenings and Sundays, I won't schedule appointments. Now, people misunderstand schedule appointments to working. Mm -hmm. What that really did was my wife and family knew when to expect me. Yep. Which in, in business is a really hard thing because when the phone rings, it's money and we normally go. Yep. And so we put those into place. Now, over the years, years, guys, as I've been able to to take more of that time and more of that time and more of that time. But as a real estate agent, you have to hustle and you do have to work. But what I find is is backwards is we don't have the, we have the rule and the exception mixed up. I'd rather the rule be I'm going to be with my family. And the exception is I'm going to go, I got a call, I got to work this evening, or I got an appointment. Yep. I'd rather that be that case. And maybe if the exception has to happen four times that week, that's the exception. Right. But when you look at it, when it comes through your filters, you come through the filters of I'm going to have my family first and business second. And then in time, if you get that right and you can, you can understand that money's plentiful, uh, there's not a scarcity of money if you're willing to right. work. That, that the rule then becomes, it takes more and more of your time and you'll you'll eventually get to the point where, you know what, I don't have to do this in the evening. Yep. But put it in Monday through Friday from eight to five and if it doesn't fit, then you just, you don't go to your doctor at eight o'clock at night, do you? Right. Why is that acceptable? But, but we're, you know, that's fine. But for us, they expect us to run and jump. And I just think it's because it's our industry. Yeah. No one's training us on how to live a good life and run massive businesses. Yep. They're just saying, go run, run, run. Yep. Yeah. That leads me to another question. So it always seems like, uh, like high achievers, um, <laughs> like have an issue with like, flipping that switch, you know what I mean? Turning it off. Like even, even though you do schedule it and you're, you know, you're with your wife, you're with them, you get a call or like, you know, that something's supposed to be happening or like, you know, 
how do you actually like be present with them or turn it off? Or do you have an issue with that? Or are you definitely have an issue? Yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask is if like, uh, if you struggle with that or have you noticed there's anything that you've done specifically that's helped you to get over it? Like, you know, obviously turning off your phone helps yeah. um, or any other strategies that you've had. So turning off my phone, that's a great place to start, which is my phone's lived on silent with no vibrate. Now, normally when I say that to people like, oh yeah, I do that too. And I'm like, no, your phone's just uh, on silent, but it still vibrates. Mm -hmm. And every time it vibrates, it's no different than it rings. Mm -hmm. yep. Especially, I mean, I can hear your phone vibrate. So when your phone vibrates, what happens is you go away to la-la land. Right. And then it takes, on average, 22 minutes to come back to concentration. And that's the world we live in. So by having your phone on silent with no vibrate right now, somebody's probably calling me. Right. And I'm sure it's important to them. Yeah. But right now when I'm here, this is what's important to me. Yep. So my phone stays away. And I've seen you boys look at your phones. Yeah. 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 We just, we just <laughs> got a couple leads. Yeah, mine's yeah. Are, mine went through. I got it on vibrate. but So when you turn the vibrate off, the world changes. And the only thing that it allows, and this is where we're getting, we're getting caught today in this, is you just can't focus when you're constantly being stimulated. Yeah. You can't go into a focused state. And for me, it was just about being able to focus. I still had a conversation with somebody we just hired about. I showed her my schedule. I'm like... Help me focus. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, you're OCD with focus. I'm like, yeah, I need to get better. Yeah. What I'm trying to achieve, not many people go there. Right. And I have her look and I have her question. It's just about focus. So to go to that time, here's what I would tell everybody is life's a lot better when you're in control. And this business and most businesses, what got you here won't get you there. So you running and hustling and answering your phone and doing all that is great. It's going to get you to a certain point. But when you want to get to the next level, when you want to find more fulfillment and freedom, that's you got to change things. And right. your success now becomes your failure. So, you know, right now, people people call me and they ask me for help. They team up with me when they're very successful and but they're not fulfilled right and they're like there's something missing i'm making all this money but i'm not where i thought i would be mentally i'm not happy but i got man i got a crap ton of money now mm -hmm. but they're like there's more than this than money like you figured out how to make money congratulations you missed the hard part right which is how do you focus how do you be present so one of my great clients and i'm going to circle back i'm going to answer your questions mm -hmm. here one of my mentors and great clients once told me he goes love when we're talking about family, he goes, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Mm. He goes, don't worry about how good the time is. Just spend it. They'll remember it. So what I would tell everybody, what I tell you guys, and what I tell myself is, yeah, my my entrepreneur mind, when I go home after dinner, it's just really like, what else do I need to check off? Yep. But I'm there with them. They see me there. So maybe I'm not perfect. And either is my daughter. She gets on her phone. She's 11. I'm like, this stuff's hard. Okay. But I'm there. Yeah. Probably looking at like cheerleading championship videos. Oh, yeah. So she's spending my money somehow, man. So, but just it's love is spelled T-I-M-E. He goes, don't, don't judge the time. Okay. I started to try to judge it. Like, yeah. how do I become more present? He goes, don't do it. Just spend it with them. I say, I definitely feel like that's what I struggle with a lot is like, man, I'm like, I'm not. I'm not even here. Like I'm not, we're not doing anything fun. Like what, what, what should I be doing? And like, yeah. And then you start to like almost like not even want to spend time with them because you're judging the time so much that you're like, holy crap. Like now I'm stressed out cause I'm not doing good enough. And then you just get in this big cycle where you're like, holy crap, dude, I just want to like go back to work now because I'm stressed out about if I'm good enough time or spend the right amount of time with them and stuff. So I think awesome. when they grow old, they're going to remember that we were there. Yeah. Like, my dad was always in real estate. You know what I remember? Him not being there. Right. That's what I remember. I don't know. And he'll listen to this because I, before I send this out to the world, I always let my dad listen to it. Yep. So, and I don't want to say it's, I remember him having appointments and him being late to pick me up because sure. he was doing what I was doing, man. He was hustling. He had to yep. make a buck. Yep. And we were poor. Right. So we had to do what we had to do. But you know what I remember? I remember him being late. So, and that's, and no offense, dad, when you listen to this, I get it, man. Cause now we're here, we've arrived. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's just put the time in. I think when we look back, we'll be okay with that. Yeah. The quality, the quality of the time. I don't know. I don't know who the hell is. I don't know how you get everything. Right. 
So, but I'm there, and if they need something, I'm there to help. I'm I'm there, and, yep. and I'm okay with that answer, whatever that is. Nice. Uh, Dakota and I have both been divorced. Uh, my ex-wife, uh, I mainly chose because I wanted someone who would be a mom to my daughter. So I found someone who was uh, kind, agreeable, uh, warm, um, nurturing, that sort of thing. I wasn't like on fire about her. It wasn't like love at first sight and that sort of thing. Dakota had that experience with his first wife where it was love at first sight and he was on fire about her. Um, what would you say that your relationship is with your wife? Because um, it looks like you have a great relationship with your wife and your kids. And how did you know that she was the one or she was the right one? So I always tell this story. I can't remember if this happened exactly, but it's how I remember it in my head is I remember the first time my, my met my wife, I was 18, so we were in high school. I had my own house. I bought, I bought a house when I was in high school, which was nice. pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I don't remember about six years of my That's life. That's super cool. Yeah. You were the coolest kid in high school. Uh, I definitely was. <laughs> um, but I remember her saying the first time she came up to me and she said, is this your house? And I looked at her, put my hands on my hip. I said, yes, this is. And so from that point, she never left. Now, you know, marriage is, marriage is a beautiful thing, and it's always a struggle, I think. It is always a struggle. Mm-hmm. You have different points of views. You have different interests. You have, you know, I'm like, wake up and go get it, and my wife's not. She's my opposite, which is why we're probably still together. Mm-hmm. If she woke up and got it, then we might not be together. And so for, for me... Understanding that marriage is it's best done when you give 100%. It's not 50-50. It's 100. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what the other party does. I have to give 100. Now, my wife would probably disagree with me on this, and that's why we're opposites. But I'm very selfish in a good way. I make sure that I'm always good. Mm-hmm. So, you, Tony, you married your first wife because you wanted a we to be good. Mm-hmm. But if you had married your first wife for you to be good... Might, maybe it would have been different. I don't, I don't know. I've only done it once, so I don't, I don't know how it all works. But I just know that I'm very selfish in a, in a positive way. I want to make sure I'm always good. And if I'm good, then I can be good with me and my wife. And if me and my wife are good, then we can be good parents to the kids. Mm-hmm. So my, care, my kids come last. Right. Now, my wife, if she was sitting next to me, she'd say, well, my kids come first, you come second, and I come third. Mm. And I don't know which way's better, but I just know which way works for me. And sure. if I did my kids first and me last, I would be probably not have any kids. Uh, they would <laughs> probably not want to be around me and my wife wouldn't, we wouldn't be married. So mm-hmm. my suggestion is stay selfish and make sure you're always good. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works on the woman's side. I'm speaking from a male's point of view here, but it works well. And then it's a hundred percent. So. When you say that, you mean that like your wife fulfills everything that you're looking for out of a relationship? I, uh, that's a, that's a great question. Cause then the question is, is what do we need out of the relationship? Right. So companionships, number one, my wife, here's the best thing she does is she lets me be me. Mm-hmm. And she just lets, I'm kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, I like to just do what I do. It makes sense. And I think it's best for me and everybody else. And she doesn't always agree with me. And sometimes she vocally says it, but she lets me be me. And I think that's number one. That's if, if I can't be me, then there's no we. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your, your question's a loaded question because there's about a hundred things in there that what does she fulfill? I would say number one is she lets me be me. I can be me. I can freely. Um, I travel a lot for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes I go sit by myself, mm-hmm. you know, on a mountain. Yep. In Canada. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I go to Canada and I go in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone signal and I sit on a kayak. I thought it was a rock. Oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you said the rock, I was like, you're like, uh, you were like, uh, this, that's my thinking spot. I was like, that's the only place he goes to think. He's like, he's like, they ask you a question. Let me go to Canada real quick. I got to go into my rock. <laughs> so, which is funny. I mean, th- here's a, I mean, this is it right here, guys. So this year, Canada has been closed for almost two years. Right. And I got a full schedule. Last 60 days, I've, I've traveled probably eight times. Yep. Been out of the state eight times in the last 60 days. That's like once a week. Yeah. 
And there's a couple things. Canada just opened up, and I told my wife, I'm like, I got to go. Yeah. She's like, when, are you going to leave us all the time? I'm like, I got to go think. Yeah. I don't have a quiet place to think here. And so I got to go got to go to my quiet place, which I had like a six day window that I could go. And that was it. And so we went now. My wife's like, are you leaving us again? And I'm like, but this is good for me. And if it's good for me, then it's good for us. And if it's good for us, it's good for the kids. And I wouldn't leave if it wasn't worth it. I just I wouldn't do it. So, you know, that's going to go back to me thing. Some people are going to disagree with that. But you know what? It's working really well for me. And I got to be real and honest. So that's that's all I know. And it works well. Yep. So I'm going to stay selfish on purpose for everybody. Yep. I like it. We got about five minutes, so we got wrapping up questions. Oh, no. <laughs> ah. Do we have to keep it an hour? Uh, I usually like to keep it around an hour. Okay. I got I got more stuff to go through. They can turn like, it off, right? If, yeah, like uh, maybe like an hour 20. <laughs> uh, I don't think we can let go of that long. Okay. Uh, what? So you, you have an uh, – it looks like you have a beautiful family. Yeah. And – uh, I, I wonder what are some things that you want to teach your kids, like life principles, philosophies? Um, your... You know, my kids are 9 and 11 now, so that's it's stuff that's rolling through my mind. Like, I think they're old enough now to learn. Mm-hmm. And so I want to teach them how to handle money. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, it might seem like a greedy thing to say out mm-hmm. of the gate, but when you figure out money, you, you tend to have less problems. Mm-hmm. And so I want to teach them about money and 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 actually how to make money. I just trained on the richest man in Babylon, how to make money your servant and not have it be your master. So that's that's one thing I want to pass down. Uh, I just thought about it this morning on the way to the gym. I'm like, we need. I need to write goals with them this year. So I want them to write some goals and, and to try to focus on something and achieve something because it's not about achieving it. It's about who you become along the way and what you push towards. So those are those are probably the two things I would say is is goals and finances good question i've got a picture of you here cheesing ah, yeah. at, the, uh, at the tesla where, where it looks like this is where you picked up your Tesla. i'm pretty sure that black one's your tesla right yeah no you're wrong but you're close enough what yeah. what year is your tesla it's brand new brand new yeah there's a black one right next to the other black one so you're close <laughs> enough I mean, you're close enough when when did it make sense to do that was it worth it dakota wants to get a tesla oh my he God. wants the same build similar build to what you got. He wants the sedan. When does it make sense? When should he do it? Uh, is you, it worth it? You see, what's funny is you don't even know the depth of the questions you're asking. <laughs> so, so this year I've been, I've been working on the mind and, and with a therapist and I've been going into that realm to work on the self a lot more. And one of my therapists said, awesome. If it doesn't serve your future, why is it still in your present? And what really he was talking about was my thoughts. Hmm. Okay, the are things we hold on to as kids, as a young adults, and it, you know, and it just was really opening up my mind. So then I went to hang out with one of my other mentors, a guy I used to mentor in real estate, but he mentors me in life. He's like seventy years old, and I, I used to drive a Mercedes. I bought a I bought an E class Mercedes when I was thirty. As like I made it, here it is, baby. Austin's getting luxury, and then I looked at him and I just said, I said, this doesn't serve my future this car. So why is it in my present? And I started asking myself, well, what serves my future? And well, I need a vehicle that can do some work. Well, for me, work is, is automated. You know, I need to make life easier for me. I need to save me time and money. And so that's when the Tesla came in and it was, I'd tell you to buy one tomorrow, man, is all I would say. And let me say this too. It's not only a cool car. They are so fast. Oh, yeah. We, we are, are so fast. fast. I mean, just the speed alone, you should buy one. I was in my friend's Lamborghini. He was driving around. I'm like, yeah, my Tesla's this fast. Yeah. There's no question, dude. I worked at uh, Dodge, and, you know, we had the Hellcat. It was like 700 horsepower. Nothing. It's, nothing compared to the Tesla. So I go home. I plug it in, and, and, you know, it costs me pennies, and I save time. Yeah. So it's a time thing for me, and, and I yeah, I'm not regretting that purchase at all. How much was it? I think I'm all in it for like 50. Oh, 50? Was yeah, it? Yeah, I got it was the dual motor. Yeah, brand new. Is it a Model 3? Yeah, oh. with the dual motor. I mean, I, for 50 grand, my, yeah, my Mercedes would be 80. Yeah, so I want I want, uh, I want a Model S. So I want the Model S. So then, like, I'm looking. Dude, a Model 3, I think, is a no-brainer. The Model S, it's 100,000. I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't know about uh, buy that. Buy another house. Yeah. Buy the 50 and exactly. go buy a rental house. Exactly, your, yeah. Your, your later self will thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. It's like, <laughs> man, I might as well just, like, the Model 3 is, like, not a whole lot different, but then also, like, the Model S is where I really want to end up. So it's like, should I just keep waiting or should I get the Model 3 now and then upgrade whenever I can? Delay gratification. That's the key to life. Delay gratification. Yep, that's what I was saying. It's like, well, I might as well just, like, keep working for what I really want, which is the Model S. And if you can't say hell yes, then you say hell no. That's a filter I run my life through. Okay. If you can't say hell yes, then you say hell no. Yeah. Can you say hell yes to the Model S right now? No. The, then you say hell no. That's an easy, <laughs> no. You don't even have to think about it anymore. I would, uh, I would say that if I was still working at the dealership, I could say it a little easier just because it, like, yeah. it's like, oh, I got this income, I got this income, I got this yeah. income. It's like, but now I'm just like, nah, I'll get more houses. I just... <laughs> I got four more big questions. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? What do you need help with? What can we help you with? What's your biggest struggle right now? So I'm going to set a goal to double my debt next year. So you guys can help me with that. Okay. That's what you can help me with. Where my struggle is, is like anybody else, it's just the next level of focus. It's asking myself what needs to be in my calendar and what needs to not be on the calendar. And what not what's on my calendar now, what got me here, won't get me there. That's the hardest part. It's because you see the success with what you do, but if you want to get to the next level, you have to let go of what got you there, yep. which is really, really good stuff. That's It's very tough. And you need people in front of you that can see to say, hey, now's the time that you stop doing this. Yep. So it's focus, and I think it's always focus. It's a great question. Um, we do a lot of personal development. You do a lot of personal development. What's the best seminar you've ever done? Uh, which one is the entry one that listeners who haven't been to a personal development seminar need to go to? So best one ever, the one that everybody needs to go to when they're first getting started. So, so I'll start with the one everybody needs to go to is UPW, Tony Robbins. You got to be all in. The cost is right. It's just, it's a big commitment of time. Uh, that would be the one everybody should go to. My best one was Tony Robbins Business Mastery. And I believe it was a mixture of two things. One, great content, great information. But two, I was at the point in my career where I had to bet highly on myself. It was the most expensive thing I've ever paid for by five or ten times. Wow. And everybody told me I shouldn't go. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going. How much was it? 15000 is what I paid to go. Wow. Back about five years ago. Yes, yeah, so that was probably more. I didn't have five. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't have 15 grand back then to go do it necessarily. And I was like, you sure? It's because I bet on myself and I was all in. So that, that was it. How much do you think that made you, that $15,000 that you spent? God, that's uh, in the course of my lifetime so far, uh Half a million dollars, probably. Yeah. That's the craziest part, man. In the course of a lifetime, yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 million. Yep. That's that's what I always try to explain to people now is like, man, like you're spending this money. And if you're 20 years old, like investing in yourself, the amount of time that you could actually use that knowledge is ridiculous. Like just ridiculous. Um, so like, you know, Tony and I have spent, I, I don't even 40, know how much. 40 grand this year. Yeah. It should yeah. be 10%. If, for anybody listening, you should be 10% of your gross of the year, you should spend 10% on yourself. It's the best investment. You can go buy rental properties and go buy all your investments. That's great. You buy, you invest in yourself, your dividend, your, your, it's, it's probably tenfold. No question. So every, every time that we've ever spent money on ourselves, I think that it's always been at least tenfold. And that's only so far in our lives. And like you said, you get to yeah. use this the rest of your life, which is like just ridiculous. Yeah. And it's not just wealth. It's, uh, how you're showing up in your relationships, uh, how uh, your what your vision looks like for your future, how clear you are about your mindset, and yeah, you know, how, it's it's for the rest of your life. Yeah, how deep you get to get with your connection with your friends, your significant others, with your with other business yeah. people, your communication skills. I mean, you guys want to hear something too. funny? I love to. So at that at that conference, every guys everything happens for a reason. At that conference, the lady next to me, I, she was in real estate too, and I start talking to her, and she's like, I, "I'm just a mess. I sell like a hundred some homes a year, and I'm just a mess." And I start showing her all my systems, and she's like, "You're like God for mm -hmm. processes and systems." Well, guess what? She was my sponsor for EXP. Wow. Nice. Yeah. That's crazy. That was the first time I met her. She, uh, I coached and trained her in 2019. She was the number one agent for all of EXP that year. Wow. So number one agent, and she ended up becoming my sponsor. Yep. That's something else that I forgot to mention, too, is just the people that you're going to meet. Like, the people that yeah. are there 
are yeah. other people who want to grow, have better relationships, have better lives, grow their wealth, like everything. They're, you're meeting people who are similar to you, maybe not just like you, because obviously there's nobody just like you, but similar and have similar goals and paths that like you guys can help each other get there faster. And they're they're crazy enough to spend that fifteen thousand dollars exactly that you were talking about. So, so you want to know something funny? If I wouldn't have gone there, I'd be at the same place I was. Yep. trying to figure out where am I missing in my life? Why am I not where I want to be? Why am I not fulfilled? Yep. I was supposed to be there. And everybody told me, don't go. I don't get why you're spending that much money. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm investing in me and my future. Yeah, give me give me $15,000. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? Or do you recommend that people like absolutely have to read like the number one book? Two, two books, Richest Man in Babylon, first book I ever read. Uh, we just did, I probably given away 100 to two, 300 copies of those. Actually, we just did a training for everybody in our platform, and I gave, sent a book to them for that, so they didn't have any reason not to read it. So we give, we give that book out, and then the other book we give out is called You Squared. So it's normally one of the first books I recommend because it's like 60 pages and it's every other page and it's kind of big font. Wow. So you can't tell me you can't get through that. So mm -hmm. you squares is just about how to how to square your life, how to how to exponentially double it. Mm -hmm. So great question. If you could have a billboard with your message to the world, this is one of the last questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what would your message to the world be? It's going to be in Times Square. It's going to be somewhere where everybody's going to see it and it's going to influence them. What's your message, your one billboard you get for the world? I do have a billboard, actually. It's on Coldwater Road. <laughs> it's about 10 foot by 8 foot, and it flashes at you. It's like so EXP. The message, the message says explore the difference. Join the Chevron Group. Mm -hmm. Explore the difference. Mm -hmm. So, and I like the word explore because people don't know what we do. We're a completely different team than any other team I mm -hmm. find across the country. So... And we do something completely different than anywhere else. Uh, most people, they're questioning if it's going to work. Right. The people, the people that you know run our books and run everything, they're like, God, you're a trailblazer. I'm like, this stuff's going to work. I know it is. I have faith in it. So that's my message. Explore the difference. It's awesome. I got, well, I got one last question. Yeah. If you had a spirit animal, <laughs> what would it be and why? These are good. These are good. Um, I I have to I have to be somewhere between like a bulldog, a lion. Uh, I'm somewhere in the in the ferocious side of me, and uh, I just whatever I can't think of anything. I'd put them in a pack together. I could be yeah. like a bull mastiff. I've a, I have uh, a <laughs> wild African dogs. That's that's my answer because I like to hunt in a pack, mm -hmm. and I have a really good kill success ratio. Mm -hmm. Nice. So wild African dogs, I think they hunt at 88% success rate. They Lions go. hunt at 12. Wow. Run in a pack. You'll kill more. That's awesome. What are some of your final thoughts uh, that you want to share with our listeners? Ooh. Bet on yourself. You know, run the odds. If it makes sense, go. Find your North Star. Uh, find some filters in your life that make sense right now while you're not in the storm. That way, when the storm comes, good or bad, when the wind blows, you know which direction you want to go. And when it makes sense, jump and jump hard and jump fast. People, the world won't agree with you, and that's okay. You don't want them to. You don't want to be with the world. You want to be at the top of the ladder. You, you're going to be by yourself, and it's lonely when you get there. But guess what? There's a couple other crazy people that made it to the top, too. So just find them, lean on them. They'll, they'll appreciate your guidance. They'll appreciate your hunger. And just, you know, don't ask them. Ask them just for their wisdom. Yeah. So someone that has it will appreciate somebody that just says, I just need wisdom. Help me with that. Yep. So go, go seek wisdom. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, probably the easiest way is going to be to call me. <laughs> <laughs> now it is because I do still look at my phone, but I, I would say just call me and leave a message. So, and that seems that might seem simple, but uh, my number is two six zero four six six three seven five seven. So call me, leave a message. I'll get back with you if it's probably not going to be the most important thing to me at that given second. But I return every phone call I've ever received. It's just, it's a pride thing. It's a business thing. Yep. So I return them all. But just call me. I, I'm, I'm a, I work by relationships. Mm -hmm. And relationships are normally done best voice-to-voice, face-to-face. 
So I'd love a phone call. If you want to know more, uh, definitely call me and I'll give you a call back. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Uh, make sure that you like, subscribe, share, do all that stuff. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see you guys on the next one.